Europeans like trash wine openers for some reason. <sighs> We've learned that pain. European internet is basically non-existent. Dog shit. It never works. No. Your data is constantly throttled. I have not made it through an entire day without getting choked out. Is that Verizon. right? Yeah. It's been choking you out every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not a good boy. I, I can't live sans internets. It's true. I know. Well. I've also been the navigator boy because you're like, I got to put my wa- my airplane mode on. I'm like, okay, here we go. Oh, I, I think you just basically volunteered for that today. Yeah, kind of. As you yeah. should have. I did all yeah, the I was, driving I was the co-pilot, day. yeah. You know. Co-pilot, you know, finds finds the playlist situation maybe eats up all the data streaming a couple albums he thought he had downloaded mm-hmm. on his phone oh i don't know <laughs> well i'm thankful to you for uh using up your data you know for our little journey today but before we get to that yeah bienvenue from paris bienvenue yeah isn't that fucking french that's spanish my guy oh what's what's the french willkommen no that's german that's swedish no that's german dutch maybe dutch Dutch. Dutch and German, I mean, mm. who can tell? White people. Um, What's French for welcome? Bonjour. Good day. Really? Salut. I feel like on all you those... You also salut. All those signs that have the multiple languages on them, they don't say that. Bienvenue? I think they say bienvenue. Maybe they do. Yeah, they definitely do. Oops. I don't think that's Spanish, man. Are you sure? Yeah. What's I think sp- you're getting a little confused. I think because y- you've been uh, affronted... I've been queenspilled, so... By the French... <laughs> And you don't like it. They don't like your French. They like oh, my yeah. French. They, the French of... Bonjour, mi ami. Not a sentence. Bonsoir. 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 They Bonsoir. He- they hear the bonsoir and can I? Can we do English? And they're like, great, thanks. Please stop butchering my language. And I'm like, I'll try. And they're like, ooh, you're butchering it. Oh, sweetie, no. Yeah, I don't even think they like you to try. I think no. we've learned that. I think yeah. you, you greet them in their native tongue. And then you ask them if they speak English. And that's the amount of another language that you need to know Yeah, on the continent. None of these yeah. people care, man. I know. They've all been super friendly about it for the most part. Yeah. You know, not a bartender in sight or a girl renting you a car that doesn't get excited to speak English. To go English. Yay, yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially Americans, I think. I think they're tired of dealing with the British. Oh, the Brits are bad. Ulrika mentioned to us that the Brits are notoriously bad tourists. I think they're Yeah, they're not good at it. They just get drunk and loud too early. And we're like, no, no, no. We come out at night and play with you all. Don't worry. We'll get there. But not at 4 p.m. They, they're on pub time That's on right. the continent. And mm-hmm. it's no one likes that. Everyone agreed. No one liked it. Yeah, I think their vibe is just a little harsher, too. I don't know. They seem pretty unapologetic because they're nearer to here. You know? Yeah, so I they think, just pop over for shits and giggles. I think the yeah. Americans, being largely Protestant and being from far away, we're like, we're sorry. We're so sorry that we're, we're here. We're a little bit Canadian. We're part Hi, we Canadian, came back. Hi. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you see our friends on from the Brussels train ride on the way out this morning? I did not, but I do keep seeing the same people places. They a were lot. they were at the Pret looking real rough. Oh, really? Homegirl had a mask on all of a sudden now, and the dude was like sweating alcohol out of his face. I was like, "Oh, ah." You're talking about the trashy British couple from mm-hmm. the ride from yes. uh, London to Brussels. Yes, you saw them this morning. Yeah, in Paris. Yeah, no way. No, 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 not in Paris. In Brussels. Oh, in Brussels, waiting yeah. for train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I get the sense that the there was a lot of Brits in Brussels. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, it's only two hours away, so maybe it's like the Poconos to them. It's cheap, and they can smoke smoke the fags for no money. Yeah, that's know. right. Mm-hmm. We'll return to the fags later. Apparently, mm-hmm. the Canadians are really sensitive about it. Not the Scottish. No. Hats off. Absolutely not. The Scots mm-hmm. know how to have a good time and tell Americans funny sort funny of bits. racial yeah. slur jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a racial slur. No, it's no, more. No. It's more homophobic. Yeah, I, I misspoke. Not really. He's being accurate. No, I know. Yeah, he's just he's just toying around. He knows we can handle it. Yeah. He knows the Americans are hardy of stock, and we like the problematic. So. Oh boy. That's good that our reputation gets stands. across the yeah, pond in that way. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's our first night in Paris, but we're not here to talk about Paris yet. No. We don't have anything to talk. I have about, nothing to say about frankly. it. Frankly, we've got. It's a grimier than I thought. Oh yeah, we'll oh, update yeah. on the on the third travel log. But um, I do like having the being driven around city first. I'm like, oh, I kind of have an idea, and I was like writing things down like on on my phone. Oh, where you where you were taking Making notes, notes. Yeah, while we were like, driving around? That wine shop looks good. Ooh, that restaurant is busy and looks decent. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the way to do it. Just get driven around once. Just be like, can you show me? Because I can imprint from car into walking sometimes. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's way better than by subway or whatever. As a driver, yeah, I can... You don't have landmarks or anything to latch onto if you're taking yeah. public transpo for the most part. Yeah, I can't... Yeah, too hard. Also, driver brain is a, a totally a separate bitch. thing. Not yeah. everybody has it. Mm-mm. Not even Americans. A, a lot of big city cosmopolitan folks, they don't They don't know they don't from know driving. Car, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? But I love driving. We drove all day today. Mm-hmm. I feel oddly awake for having woken up at 4.45 a.m. I took micro naps the entire time, just when... Uh, Oh, I figured you were doing that because I'm a little bit surprised that you're awake. And then I remembered that you were passenger. I can take like one minute naps and then go whoop, mm-hmm. back into reality. Like I was like, oh. I microdose the mushrooms. You microdose the naps. You did not. That's basically the dynamic. I mean, yeah, that's how I can function. I mean, I didn't take any this morning. I was fucking with you when I said that in the car. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, I think doing it so often, I think it just enhances your perception all the time. Hmm. I'm it's telling re- you. I, rewired the brain. I think maybe tomorrow might be a good day. Yeah, you should take some. For Louvre. Absolutely, it's going to be a good day for it. It's a, always a good day for it. <laughs> the only reason I didn't do it today is because I had to fucking drive a car for 10 hours. It wasn't 10 hours. It was 10 hours. It was a lot of time. It was a lot of time. But you know what? Frankly, th- this was um, a portion of the trip that you indulged me in. Yes. I, I think if you had had it your way, you probably wouldn't have done that. Uh, we would have done about six, six hours of driving. And I'd be like, we're fucking done. Um, but... Well, and to be fair, you know, it truly it wasn't 10 hours of driving. It was probably six hours of driving, but there was a lot of boring things. It was four hours of driving that you didn't care about. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I did not care about it. I mean, let's, no, you let's, were do, a good let's, sport. let's do Brussels first before okay. we get into today. Let's do. Brussels. I know it's more in the brain, but yeah, you know, those Brussels motherfuckers. Let me tell you about something. Let me tell you about what, con- you know, you walking around, everyone's drinking, carrying on. And you're like, ugh. I gotta pull out euros. Oh God! And then you leave your bank card in the ATM. Oh, I forgot you had the traumatic experience. That's Which, why you've been in a bad mood for I was, like two days. I, was I in feel a ba- like you've just come out of it. I, now. I just came out of it because I'm like I've just accepted it, whatever. But that just really like shat on the entire Bruxelles moment. I was like, fuck, because I was like, I'm kind of being a good traveler. I'm keeping up the energy, like. And then it was just like I was fading, and I was like, yeah. I'm so tired. And then I lost the bank card. I was like. I'm done. I'm shutting down. No, and I, I feel a little bad because I'm like, 
I'm shutting down. I can't help it. I no, just have to do no, it. No, it's okay. I mean, to be honest, like I said, I completely forgot that you lost your bank card. That is a traumatic moment. That completely sucks. I feel for you. At the end of the day, I was trying to convey this at the time and still, is that like, it's not that you big know, a deal, in the modern frankly, world, yeah. it's really not that big of a deal. You have Apple Pay and all sorts of workarounds, and if you need cash, I'll give you an allowance. <laughs> but Well, no, I mean, it's just one of those things of like, you know, wanting to be an adult, and you're like, oh, I did it. I did a dumb American. Oh no. And that just shattered all confidence going forward for two days. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Oops. But it just could, it, it just as easily could have happened anywhere else. It really has nothing to do with being on the trip. It was just an absent minded moment, but yeah, it makes you feel stupid. And at least know. it wasn't like actually like, you know, I was like, Oh wow. I did something dumb, fully sober, not blackout drunk. Great. Good for me. Yeah, that's true. It was like the middle of the afternoon. It was 4 PM. Yeah. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> Well, that was a yeah. whole saga, too. I mean, we should explain you left your ATM card in the ATM at a foreign bank. Oopsies. Somewhere in the yeah. Times Square of Brussels. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was right before the bank closed, which we learned like 20 minutes too late. Uh-huh. So uh, you locked the card. And then the following day... I tried to go back, tried to see where the entrance to the lobby of said bank, just in case anyone would have turned it in or slid it under a door. All right. Well, we thought, hey, you know, it was right before closing, so it would make sense that they would still have it. Hopefully nobody stole it. Yeah. But um, it turns out because of the weird layout of everything here and the weird design properties of all of their signage, we couldn't even figure out how to get inside of the bank the following day. I didn't see a door. No, there wasn't a door. I mean, there was a sec- there was like a airport-style security door between the ATMs and whatever was behind there. I'm assuming like... And there was interiors the with branch. people working in the branch. And well, I'm like, uh... But much like a lot of places here, there's no one to greet you. There's no one to tell you what's going on. All, okay, so here's the thing. I don't. What I don't get... Listen, American graphic designers, get your shit together because you all worship at the, the ground of these, like, you know, Northern Europeans. In their day-to-day, they don't have together. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. All signage is trash. It is overly instructive to the point of being nonsensical like they're like it's all it all makes sense and you're like it does but it takes a minute and that's not design you know do you think people just have a tolerance for more long-form things here and that americans have just gone idiocracy and we're like you know we needed to tell us where the gatorade is otherwise we're gonna like dehydrate ourselves you know no, but they're they're like the parking garage today for, yeah. is a good example. So, parking garages are a great example. Terrible. So why is everything in a line when it should be stacked? Because the, the building you're in is stacked. So why would you not have the whole sign start, you know, removing layers and then have an arrow instead of being in a line? And you're like, where the fuck am I? And I'm like, look at the painted wall 60 feet over there that you can barely see. Right. And it's right, like, right. Uh, that's not really the move. Um, I mean, everything's color coded, but like, I don't know the secret word, you know, the secret password for the color coding here. Shit. Well, I don't think there's a secret password so much as just it's one to one, but like, I don't know. There's not, there's nothing to lead your eye to the place where it needs to look like all of these coding things don't help if there's nothing if there's nothing to aid you to where you're supposed to be looking maybe this is why the scandies do it better they're like we took out a lot of clutter yeah 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 i mean that's that's where all this like modernist minimalism comes from anyway you know ikeification of everything 
And they have that to some extent here, but it's like mixed with a very uh, visually dense environment and a very compact a environment. A verbose text environment. Yeah, it's it's a recipe for a disaster. Ugh. But, you know, we made it work. We returned the car today. I, I'm very proud of returning the car on our own because even the lady that rented it to us was like, hmm. When you get to Paris, it's going to be a little it's bit more be complicated. Just she laughed. She just was like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Just find a guy in an orange vest. Guess what we didn't find? And we said, no, 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 no. We're finding our own gas station, and we're going to return the car. Because there was a gas pump in the middle of a street. That was pretty cool, actually. You can just pull Terrifying. over to the side of the road and get gas on, like, Madison Avenue. Think about it that way. Wouldn't call it Madison. I'd maybe call it Lex. Okay. Whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not There's as tapped into the, you know, class signifiers as you are. I mean, look around. You would put a gas pump on Madison Avenue. People get shot. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, we, we, we're, we're, we're still, losing we're track. Still, yeah. We got to talk about Brussels. So, uh, you know, we took the train from London there. There was a trashy British couple next to us drinking the entire time. Drinking and snogging. Mm-hmm. You, you think they snogged in the bathroom? I bet they did. No, I think he took some bumps. Um, but oh no, that he was like doing that like teenager thing, and these are thirty-five year olds or whatever, like poking and making weird sounds. And she's like, oh, "Stop it! I hate you!" And I'm like, "You both look like microwave potatoes. Like, what are we doing?" <laughs> um, and they're just being loud during announcements, and it's just like, "Can you shut the fuck up?" Yeah, no, they were being very uncouth. Although I think what you're describing is kind of cute, actually. Ugh, gross. No, I mean, that, you know, that's heterosexual heterosexuality run rampant. And yeah, you do like retarded, cutesy things with each other. It's embarrassing when you do it in public. But it's hey, the in public. As far as they're concerned, I mean, they're around a bunch of Frenches and a bunch of Americans. Who cares? You know what I mean? You're never going <sighs> to see these people again. Except we did. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. anywho. Um, no, it's funny the amount of tourists we keep running into. I mean, it's happening less now because we drove. So we're like far from public transpo points right. of origin yeah. but i kept seeing the same people over and over in london and brussels constantly really service people and people that we traveled oh, with. oh service people yeah because yeah. we just would be like hello yeah um you know the brussels bartender was like oh you guys and we're like hey mm-hmm. yeah we had one rowdy night in brussels which was kind of an accident i think we were both feeling a little downtrodden you had lost your bank card we'd been raging the fuck out in london and uh, yeah. we walked around for like two hours just Trying being to find food. indecisive, yeah. yeah, and eventually we landed at uh, Archipel, which was kind of the best choice I think in the area the as Mar- far as the, dive the Marcos bar goes. of Brussels. Yeah, we found the Marcos of Brussels. The bartender spoke English. He was very nice about it. He didn't give me shit for my bad French. No, yeah, no. He just politely lets you know that you should stop doing that. But yeah, that was great. You know, I talked to a Belgian anarchist. A homeless guy. There was a lot more homeless in Belgium. Yeah. The, a lot more crazy people, we're too. We're running into a lot more of the downtrodden mm-hmm. as we get, you know, to the center of the continent. Um, and It's I just a little grittier everywhere. I mean, Brussels was even grittier than here, than Paris. It was? I mean, uh, yeah, I think so. I think not. I mean, the area that we stayed in, it's a provincial city, you know. We should say that for people that have never oh, been yeah. there. I mean, it's, it's like, it's kind of like going to, it's not even as big as Philly. Like, what am I looking for? Boston. Boston. Yes. It's like the Boston of Europe. And uh, it is a little grittier, but like the Times Square area is like nice and clean and everybody's I mean, it's like a behaving. beautiful center. And yeah. like. We should talk about the Grand Place for a second because it is really it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gilded. It's huge. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is old. Oh, we're in old land now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good entree to like, you know, 
the oldness. Um, yeah, it was a nice stepping stone into the continent to be in the smaller city and see the Grand Place. And, you know, because all the UNESCO sites that we saw in London. We saw UNESCO sites? Oh, yeah, sure. The Tower of London's a UNESCO site. Oh, I guess. Big yeah. Ben. I mean, there's plenty of them. Large Benjamin's a UNESCO? A large Benjamin, yeah. Hmm. Um, but we saw those all from the outside. You can't quite experience right. them in the same way unless you go on like a guided tour, which is a lame. ticketed and I don't nonsense really because do. they're like, oh, keep up. And you're like, ugh, fuck off. But uh, the Grand Place is just great because it's it's this classic European thing where it's basically like an empty plaza. It's surrounded by really beautiful buildings. I mean, it was stunning there. It really was. It all was. The, all the gold and the like neo-Gothic architecture. Especially in like rainy night. Oh, great. The, I'm so happy that we got the rain in Belgium and today. Yeah. It, it was really vibey and it really worked and it seems like it's cleared up and now we're going to have great weather for our Maybe. Parisian we'll venture. Yeah. But. Yeah, oh my god, the vibey rain in Belgium just that seemed right. All of that just seemed right. It absolutely know? did. I mean, even when we hopped in the cab to uh, go to the train station this morning, the guy was like, "I love the rain, it's back." Yeah. You know, Flanders is like all about that. And they have that Parisian quality of like lots of different neon lights and like uh temperatures of light and gold and gilt. But everywhere. around the square it's all the same temperature where they're like it's warm because we know Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's just the reflections off of everything, like off, off of cobblestone. cobblestone it's beautiful, and, yeah. I mean, just everywhere you look, it's it, it, impossible to take a bad photo, right? Yeah. Um, but we got a flight of beers. You know, we did the classic shit, basically. I mean, we just bought shitty rounds at you know uh, Brussels Marcos, mm-hmm. and then uh, but their shitty rounds there are even like specifically Belgian beers. You get a little different style of glass. They're you know yeah. from the area. They're a little heavier. It's nice. Yeah, it is a little bit of a culture shock to be like, ooh, I was pounding three percenters, and now I'm like, oh, five is really fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Damn. Um, and then a flight of, like, classic, like, Trappist shit at, like, basically a sports bar. Yeah, basically. I mean, it, it's right around the corner from the uh, Hard Rock Cafe, if that yeah. gives you any idea of, like, the neighborhood that we were in. I mean, granted, their Hard Rock Cafe is in, like, a 16th it's in a palace, century so building. Whatever, yeah. Um, but you know what? That's where I learned my lesson about speaking French. The uh, old man bartender there, he taught me that lesson in an instant where, you know, we've both been discussing how we were sort of nervous about it and how it's kind of, you know, sort of intimidating to talk French to people and they don't respond to it well. They just want you to switch to English. This guy, I walked in there and, you know, I was a little drunk because we'd had like five beers <laughs> at the other bar. Four. And so I go in there and oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, giant boot beers yeah bonsoir and he and he just repeats it back to me louder and in my own accent and he yeah because bonsoir okay yeah you know i don't know if i'm saying it right or whatever i don't even care the point is i i just i was just you know what i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna greet him with confidence and i did and, say bon nuit. and he came back to me just and you're like louder fuck. and in a belgian american accent Oof. and then started speaking to me in english and i was like okay i get it just let's go yeah just Ask him if they speak English, you know? He was very kind when I oh, he's great. looked up how to ask for Siggy time. He's like, just pointed went over there, red umbrella. Oh, that was the best. By the way, cigarettes, very cheap in Belgium. Love it. Seven fifty. Mm. Got our dollar spend so well here. I mean, oh, I, I, I've been not looking at my bank account very much. It hasn't gone down very much. But I say. bet it's kind of not that different from just 
being in New York. I mean, we paid for most of this trip already. So yeah, that's the thing. You know, the car fee is coming, and that's that's not insignificant. Are they really going to charge you that whole amount, or are they going to? No, no, drop no. The, the three hundred dollars was a hold. The car itself cost four fifty. The hold was seven. No, the total was seven. The total of the hold and the car together was seven. Oh, the the, the deposit on a rental car is like always like three hundred dollars. It's always really right. expensive. But anyway, that's neither here nor okay. there. I'm just saying. I, I mean, I feel like this trip is not expensive. I mean, it's the gas was forty strange. bucks. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, not even. Yeah, they're they're all complaining about that war over here. What are they complaining about? Their gas prices are cheap as yeah. shit. I know. I, don't know. I was thanking God for Gla- Vladimir Putin the other night. <laughs> I mean, the Euro-dollar parody, thank you. Papa Putin coming through. I just, like, casually tossed off my tenor from my tenor pound. And they were like, ugh, here, it's $11. I'm like, this is sick. My walking around money just went up real high. Yeah, yeah. It was like, great. stupid. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so we had our one little, it was a semi-wild night in, in Brussels. I mean, I slept well, till late the next we morning. We took a, we also takeaway beers because they're like do you want anything else and we're like uh, can we just get the largest like cheap beer you have and they're like we love that for us oh like, for sure well we should say that our airbnb in brussels was glorious i mean i wish we were there still i loved that place it fully had three separate rooms you know the bathroom was sizable a bedroom and a sizable living room with bay windows that just open upon the street a living room with a couch that you know normally could be a death trap but like if you make a burrito out of a a fluffy feather uh, duvet. Fine. Oh, absolutely. I just amazing. used it as a like feather bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so goddamn swampy on that continent. Yeah, I know, I know. It's swampy here right now. You got to get the fans going. Otherwise, you're doomed. <sighs> I had no air movement. I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, doing take home was a, n- a nice uh, move in Brussels. And then the next day, we slept in late. We didn't have much of an agenda. We checked out the mute. Uh, Musée de Magritte and the uh, Musée de Brussels. And the Fin du Siècle. Yes, um, which is all just Oof, yeah. part of the same thing, turns out. You walk, you know, you see the palace at Brussels. It's all pretty good. You know, the thing that's crazy about coming to Paris right after that is like, I already knew that Brussels was provincial in many, but you're like, oh, just everything looks like that here and it's yeah. way bigger. It's bigger. Yeah. It's just taller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the museums themselves, I don't have much to say about. I mean, honestly... Did you expect to see the death of Marat, though? No, I that, did that not. was kind I of literally incredible. Went, you? Here. Here, why? What? You should be not... What? I didn't know that was there. Uh, it was a larger painting than I expected, yeah. and it was much more slapdash than I expected from it was David. Quick, yeah. Did you notice that? It, I, I could tell that that painting was, was painted, painted in a hurry. It was painted fast, yeah. It was yeah. painted for his like funeral march. Oh, got it. Um, yeah, did, because right did across you not the room. Read farewell to arms or not farewell to an idea. Oh, the TJ Clark. Yeah. I mean, I, I read it begrudgingly sometimes when I had to, mm. you know, um, I would like to reread that actually. That's probably good. But um, yeah, no, that was cool to see the greatest hits. They had a lot of great Bruegel. I mean, Flemish painting is not my favorite. Oh no. Very, very dark. Very, very brown. But seeing like Hieronymus Bosch and like. Hieronymus Bosch replica workshop of mm-hmm. essentially it's the same thing okay. I mean it was painted in the era and it's a perfect copy it's a perfect copy yeah. I mean there's I, I don't give a shit about Hieronymus Bosch so the hand of the artist in his Doesn't, case means nothing to me it's a coloring book and we're just filling it seeing in seeing it in the yeah. silly frame and oh it's got the black and white on the back 
very cool stuff, you yeah. know. But anyway, seeing Bosch and like Bruegel and a museum entirely devoted to like Flemish painters, I feel like felt like they gave Rubens short shrift. We talked about him on the last episode. There was episode. a whole Rubens room. I know, but they didn't have good ones. And like, yeah, I feel like they, were they weren't proud of him. It's weird. It's always weird to me to realize that Bruegel and Rubens were painting at the same time. There's even a Bruegel Rubens collaboration at the Met. that exists. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. Like, that one's fun. But that's the thing. I think a lot of it went afield because the people up, up yonder were not down with Rubens because he was like, no, I want to be more of an Italian style painter. Well, well, here's the semi-original thought that I have when I was investigating the Bruegels and the Bosches because they're like a little bit surrealist. Oh, the Bruegels. Yeah. The Bruegels and the Bosches. Well, Bosches are, yes. That's Bosches whole thing is like, you know, the flying fish and all the demons and all this stuff. Um, It gives me, I don't know what this says about Flanders in particular, but it gives me a, a sense that the Middle Ages was much more alive than you ever really imagine. They were going through some some wonky shit, yeah. Well, and people had real imaginations. Like, people believed in magic. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, actually believed it. Oh, yeah. You know? They were like, we got demons and angels running around us at all times. Right. So, oh, my God, you sounded like Alex Jones. Yeah, I mean, listen. It's coming back. Listen, Alabama people. Like, get it together. Like, start <laughs> doing some mysticism paintings. <laughs> That would be pretty sick, actually, if there was like s- deep South surrealists. We don't, yeah, we don't want hillbilly elegy. We Ooh. want hillbilly surrealism. That would be amazing. Honestly, no, I'm here for it. I could. I'm white trash. Oh, that would be great. Too affected though. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, you've always aspired to be an old Jewish man. We all know that. Yeah, There's I no escaping it. Yeah. You're wearing a rugby shirt for Christ's sake. That's wasp culture. Well, you know, well, apples and oranges, man. Neither here nor there. Mm. Anyway, um, the Flemish stuff. Yeah. Kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. similar to when we went to the British Museum and I was going on and on about the color of things. Right. I was thinking about, like, the narrative minds that they had and how alive their world must have felt to them. Did you notice, BT Dubs, the amount of, um, what's, what's, uh, the varnish, the coats, the, la- like, everything looks lacquered. But it's just like, God, that's a pile of varnish. Because they're all trying to, like, fake light everything by, like, basically putting glitter on it. Like, that was their version of, like, well, we don't really have that much light. So everything's very dark and high contrast. So how do we bring up the light? So let's just slather You know, I've, it. I've never considered, like, varnish as a means of presenting things when you really only had, like, candlelight and skylights to do the work for you. Um, that may be part of it. I, I also just really get the sense being over here that they just do not have access to world-class conservators, especially oh in a God. provincial place like Brussels. I mean, I think... You would think they should. We may have a different experience, but, but you know, the same thing we were talking about on the London episode where it's just this sort of stagnating society idea. Mm-hmm. I think everybody just thinks it's fine. And why fuck with it? Well, they just look at the old... We talked about this today again, but, like, they just go, oh, you have the old things. I don't know. Yeah, we don't. Not- we don't regard. And you're like... What do you mean you don't regard the old things? It's weird to have this tension between we respect, but we don't regard. I don't know. Such a waste. I just think it's worth it to like clean things, to spend a lot of time and money on this. They just don't have the money, man. I mean, a lot of the stuff in the Brussels collection, I mean, the royal family like owns that personally. It's not really like that museum is staffed in the same way that like the Met or MoMA is where there's literally truckloads of money being backed up to do whatever. Well, we you know? saw that um, 
distemper. Help me. Pizarro? Not Pizarro. Vuillard. Unglassed. Very cool painting to see on a separate note, too. Oh, yeah, great. Because it's yeah. related to a set of paintings that are at the Cleveland Museum of Art. So we yeah. have a personal connection to it. Originally, a set of nine that was dispersed. I believe there's three in Cleveland, and we saw the one in Brussels. Two, but Interesting. okay. Two. Yeah. Okay. Nonetheless. Um, but when you look at something, you're like, I don't see any glare. What's going on there? And you're like, oh, there's just no glass. Like, And you're like, oh, I get to actually see what distemper does without the you know accidental glare of museum glass sure, and you're like sure. wow that's really wild um no i'll give but it is alarming because you're like that should be under something uh, well i'll give the museums here a lot of credit for uh doing a good job um trusting their audience with what they're looking at right they don't really explain things on labels oh no the labels are basically useless which is yeah. awesome because then you just have to look at it yeah um they let you get as close as you want the guards are not over your shoulder every second telling first of you all to step back what guards the guards are standing around talking to each there other were guards basically ready to they were sitting down three of them on the upper level i was like are you guys gonna just like light up a cig like what are you doing oh i know they're looking at their watches the entire time I kept wondering if the museum was about to close the amount of times I saw guards looking at their watches. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, we have hours. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they're, they're not all over you about it. They let you get as close as you want. There's very few uh, corded off things. There's oh, abs- yeah, not a stanchion in sight. There's absolutely none of the um, annoying, like, techie sensors. Please go, step Please away. step away. Yeah. yeah. No, none of that. Um, it's nice. They just let you look at it. Um, but the Flemish taste, it sort of is what it is. I mean, I, I liked the um, I liked the glassware that we ended up seeing at one point. I do, oh, yeah. I do really appreciate. You say it differently than me. I always have said fin de sacal. Is that wrong? Fond fin de sacle. Fin de sacle. I think. Fin. fin anyway, fin de sacle. I, I'm going to go with the Americanized version because I've always. And the century. Yeah. Um, I really like that stuff. I do. Well, not, I'll, not me. I'll, I'll tell you why, and it might be a nice segue to our uh, journeys today. I always think it's really interesting that that stuff used to look futuristic. Like, at a certain point yeah, in time, yeah. that was modernism. I mean, that's that was modernism. Yeah. Like, Art Nouveau and stuff like that, we, for, we tend to forget that that's the trajectory it was going on. That was all about this, like, obsession with romanticism and this nostalgia about, like, and, Arthurian times, you know? And it was very um, Greco-Roman. No, it was well, very a lot it of was Medusa. Very, a lot of Medusa. You see, you see that that weird Medusa head. But I think Greco-Roman gives the impression that it's somehow Classism, austere, yeah. which it's not That's at right. all. It was incredibly um, decadent, floral, lush. Like the way that the furniture, especially, looks Furniture's and the glassware wild. looks yeah. like. You can see modernity in it, where there is a simplicity to the essence of its design, but all of the flourish. Um, right gives it this that that sort of Jules Verne era quality where you're like oh that's later no I know that's a little bit later but it's not that much right. later I mean that's a more technological perspective on it than in like an aesthetic one but there was all of this like almost that's the way the future could be yeah I mean the thing about all the like glassware is that like w- when you think about all of that Belgian glass you're like you guys were kind of sloppy like when you compare it to Lalique and Tiffany you're like, oh, miles better. Like, you guys were slops. 
slaps abound. Didn't refine it enough. I, you know, I looked at it slightly differently. I, I, to me, a lot of it is very Japanese. Like, I, I was actually thinking this They're about... They're wabi-sabiing about? They were wabi-sabiing their glass. I even thought about this in terms of Bruegel. Um, there was a lot of moments in the Bruegel paintings and the d- the density of the figurative scenes and the way that it's sort of um, not quite... Pers- perspectively accurate oh, that no, look no, no, no. a lot yeah. like Edo area era uh, woodblock prints. Oh, interesting. Um, and I, th- I think there's something about when you're existing in a more or less feudal society that is succeeding, that does have like an idea of a kind of future. You end up having this sort of very decadent, but very um, lax sensibility that right. crops up rarely in history. Usually things either go like pretty severe and stark and that's your like um, streamlined modernity or things get really sort of uh, wonky. But there's there's right. these times in history and it's interesting to see it appear in different places and different eras that are like a little bit of both. And they're fascinating to me. That's That's like, I don't know, that's rare in time. Certain hmm. conditions need to be happening for like right. that sensibility to be the dominant ide- ideology. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If seeing the Bruegels, I'm like, the goofiness. Like, I don't know. Like, the inescapable goofiness of like the short king procession that's only five by seven. Right. Like, it's hilarious. Like, these paintings are funny and then like it's like the murder of innocence and then it's just like fuck them kids like literally like it's 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 supposed to be like a trauma inducing painting and like this is even like like the uh the wheat the wheat workers at the met right the famous one yeah like you're just like oh yeah it's supposed to be like this accurate thing but the goofiness of real life is inescapable and i think that is like a northern europe sensibility of like listen we went through wild shit and it's just goofy at the end of the day yeah 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 sure i mean that's a really underrated part of bruegel specifically because i think the like canonical point of view that at least you would read in like a 101 art history textbook is that bruegel is a moralist like and the interesting thing about him is that he was dignifying like the story of peasants and everyday individuals like that's the reason he's important in art history is that that is yeah i mean that's that's what you'll find is that like him um all those paintings look like where's waldo's absolutely they do yeah and that's why they're like they're funny like he's it's the capturing of the everydayness but the fact that there's a level of absurdity even at that level is something that's deeply flemish and that goes through to magritte uh absolutely yeah it's just that I'm agreeing with you, but what I'm saying is that the absurdity part gets overlooked. I think oh. you, I think you would agree with that too. I mean, mm. people don't focus on that. I think because they look like Where's Waldo things, and because their uh, rendering style is like illustrative, right. they were eventually kitchified, and so it's yeah. very hard to look at those paintings actually because y- you can't see but their like terrible um, antecedents. So clumsy, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, the reason why, like, the wheat one is so funny is because there's a guy, like, be- there's a lot of accuracy drawn to, like, a guy, like, with his little button front flap things just, like, scratching himself. And you're like, that was important. Like, paint was hard to come by. And you're like, no, I really got it. It's kind of important to describe the accuracy of someone's life who would be that person. Right. And that includes just, like, Al Bundying about. Right, right, right. 
which it, it's so funny. Like in all, you know, Magritte, Magritte, the funniness, I'm like, I don't know. After being in museum, his museum, like they take you very seriously and you're a funny guy. So, yeah, I think that's their problem with everything. I think they take Bruegel seriously too. It's like, I don't think they understand their own humor, which is also part insane of to me. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. I mean, they're an interstitial, interstitial place, you know, like Belgium wasn't really a country until like, I think like the 1840s. Um, but they have so much international power now that it's like, you don't like think of you, you don't have any self well, awareness of eh. the humor. Now think about them as like people from Washington DC, right? They don't really have any international power. Oh, they're just the site of, they are yeah. the site of, they are the seat of it, but th- nobody takes, nobody cares what Belgium's opinion is on anything. But why wouldn't they take the piss out of themselves? I mean, like, uh, Brothers does, but, like, it's in a smarty, arty way, which is hard to find the humor a lot of times. Like, it's yeah. that, like, huh, humor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I'm not from there. I can't, I can't chalk it up to anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, the Magritte Museum, mm. I like Magritte a lot, and I didn't think that was a very good presentation of him as an artist. Uh, I thought it was uh, slapdash, it, quite it, frankly. Well, it was overly aestheticized, too. Oh. Like, the quality of the work in there is basically what I expected. Usually when you encounter an artist museum, it's all the secondary stuff that was left in their studio and then things that were gifted to the museum by, you know, people that want their name on a plaque. Right. Um but it's not the best work they ever make. And then like walking through an artist's work in terms of biography is almost never interesting to me. So to have that as the like main crutch of the other stuff is, is is bad. Is the, um, that painting of the rock and the curtain in the CMA, uh, De Kirico or, uh, Magritte. I I don't know if I know what you're referring to, but I think it's probably a De Kirico. I can't think of a notable Magritte at the CMA. You know, it's like floorboards, rock, curtain. Stupid. Um, anyway, um, no, they have a good, like, they have that good easel one. Oh, those are some of the best ones. I mean, the, yeah, the meta are... Magritte's that are actually very simple in their idea. Yeah. Which isn't it interesting that there's a picture against a picture? Yeah. Those are like always the best ones. Whenever he starts fucking around and getting too clever, Lamp-posts either apples, stylistically yeah. or uh, apples are bad, man. With too much imagery. I mean, he didn't know how to paint. Like the thing about Magritte is that he was a yeah, commercial. That's clear. Yeah. He was a commercial artist, and eventually, at some point in his career, he got a little bit better at it enough to like pull off interesting moments. But he was never good at it. Where like the paintings are interesting on a level of virtuosity. They're very flat in that way of like you mix the color, you put it on, you're done. You're mm-hmm. not like working back into it. Like, but there was one that was like something about like the difficulty of language, or, where it was like school. The schoolhouse rock logo comes from. Hmm. I don't remember the painting that you're talking about. Can you describe it? It's like piles kind of, of like stone looking things, and then the bottom row, it's like a frieze of. Uh, three layers of stone painted stone and then one of them kind of forms a word so it's like i know what you're talking about now yeah 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 well you know the my interest in magritte uh, straight up just stems from jasper johns because in the uh varnado um like 1991 94 sorry pictures of nothing moma um catalog 
Oh no! Oh, that catalog. When, oh, yeah, when yeah, Johns yeah. had that retrospective in '94, uh, Varnado in the essays at the beginning and with the subsequent illustrations really hammers on the Magritte stuff, mm. which um, is obvious in retrospect, but I don't think would have occurred to me naturally. And the type of moves that you're talking about, where it's like um, the same texture on the same texture, it's hard to look at that now and say that's like innovative. I mean, let alone to do it with text. But again, much like the Bruegels, it suffers from this problem where it became kitsch later. So it's also hard to look at. Yeah, I think a lot of surrealism suffers from that. But like what I appreciate in a lot of those is like the paint by number effect of the way that the paints laid down yeah. is like actually learning how to paint good for him. And I'm like, yeah, we all stole all us like, f- you know, funny attempting motherfuckers just figured out like, oh, we got to do that. Because it, it just is representative of the graphic availability of the time. Yeah. Like he's painting silk screens before, you know, silk screens are readily available. Well, like, when you know, his most famous work, like the Cine Pas Un Peep work. Um, yeah. Which, why is that not here? Where is that? I don't know. It's probably in a more famous, better museum, like all of his actually good work. Mm, that's right. Um but when you're just basically doing that semiotic thing of like, uh, what is it? The sign signifier and signified. Yeah. And you're trying to collapse it. It's much more clever to do that in terms of like one technique and like one way rather than do the diagrammatic way where you do all three things and sort of spell it out as an illustration that yeah. may have been instructive at a certain time, but like no longer hits. That's in LACMA BT dubs. Oh, Okay. Well, I've probably seen it before and don't remember. Oops. Anyway. Yeah, but like, you know, so when you when you do a technical thing that is doing that already, mm-hmm. but like still appears as a cohesive unity. Right. Like it still has a gestalt. You don't break the gestalt to like demonstrate that you know what that it is. That you know how to do it. Yeah. 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 That's always interesting. I think good painting almost always does that. Like um, from prehistory to now, I think that's true. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but that's anyway. Brussels. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, again, no. I liked it, but we were kind of taking a break in Brussels, honestly. That's fine. I think, yeah, I we think were that was fine. We're on a long trip, dude. Yeah. Um. Uh, where did we go? I mean, the Amsterdam wine store. Honestly, what a lovely experience of someone who's like, "Hi, I know you. You Americans are here, and how how did you get here?" And why are you buying this kind of wine? Are you talking about tonight? No, no, no. No, the one in Brussels, like that guy who's like, my sale starts tomorrow, but like, I'll offer you. He was like, again, like confused that anyone was stopping into his shop. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I found one. Like, they're all very like alarmed that anyone is shopping there because I I assume they think Americans are just going to be drinking out in public which i think 99 percent of the time they're right true yeah i i also think that um americans are not known for being discerning true so even having like a mild interest in what they do for a living comes as a surprise to them right i think they would mostly expect ignorance if an american wandered in there like looking for a gift to take home right and they'd be like i want a cab salve you know yeah they're, th- y'all got chardonnays they're a little surprised when it's like oh you you know you made a decent selection 
uh, I'll help you with this. Probably nice. I don't know. Yeah, it was. A I'm not funny. even slagging Americans. I think that's probably just in general. I think true. that's most people. Yeah. yeah. But like you know, it's it's always nice. I mean, it's always like a weird betrayal. Like my experience in Brussels is this betrayal of like having taste and having no good way of expressing like the the matching of it. You know, like where you're just yeah. like, I appreciate what you've done here, and I have a question, but I also don't know how to speak with you appropriately about it. Like, right. and that leads to today, where it's like, you know, I can't talk to this man like about because he's like, I was in food and wine. I'm like, don't know anything about it, but I looked over your aesthetic matches mine, and I saw like, one label that I went, that's a great wine. I'm going in. Well, you just have to find a way of bridging the language gap, and I mean, it's not even that big of a gap. They they speak very good English, like. Um, I was trying to convey this to you earlier when we were at the bar. It's like, yeah. I, I think what you're really rubbing up against is like, you just have to be friendly to people. Ugh. You can't have the demeanor of being like, uh, in, in, informative and implacable and just merely polite. You have to like interact with them. Like right. I, I genuinely do think continental Europeans, uh, especially, um, rely on that. It's like yeah. about body language and about cues and about facial expressions and just about being like a little more active in the engagement with oh and having rbf isn't helpful (laughs) i mean yeah no it's not yeah like you know they want to have an interaction with you right um they genuinely have a zest for life i think Uh, obviously all these things are generalizations but like that is you know it's spicy it's zesty like the they're I not, get. They're this, not cold. Yeah, I get the sense that, like, yeah, the the unique quality of this interaction is what I'm interested in. Right. Not the generic conversation I could have with anybody that I see every day. Right. And you have to participate in that, and like actively and openly and positively, not fake. Hmm. Speaking of warm, warm and fuzzy, or warm and welcoming. Yeah. Let's go to. Let's go to the site of the sites of lots of death. Because <laughs> we went to two yeah. sites of a lot of a lot of casualties. Um, well, uh, today today to me was amazing because you know so we we take the train from Brussels to Lille very early in the morning, seven in the morning. Um, yeah, not much to speak of on that train except for the lady with cornrows just hacking it up. I mean, I think we mentioned the COVID stuff a little bit last time, but like it truly doesn't exist here. No one gives a fuck. They don't care. Yeah, no. To the degree that they're going to hack and cough. All over a train, yeah. Even to me, someone that like by my own standards doesn't give a fuck, when I hear someone like coughing like they have the flu. I'm like, "Mm, get it together. I I mean, I guess we're just back to that, which you know what? That's fine. That's human life. I hate it. That's the way it should be. You just got to get used to hearing it again. Just see, I would just be like, you know, you're on public transport, slap a mask on your face and call it a day. Mm -hmm. Come on. Like that's gross. It's just gross because it's a bad bodily sound. The hack, like a a polite cough is different from, (laughs) and you're like, Oh, put it away, Mary. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anywho. Well, anyway, I don't know. We go and pick up our rental car. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been actually really surprised on a brief side note. Um, I was a little nervous about all the planning of this trip, like mm-hmm. Airbnbs and getting the train tickets and getting the car and stuff. And I was saying to you this morning, like, 
I have travel panic where I'm like, everyone is trying to rip you off. Something's going to go wrong. You also get very um, prickly when like a transfer thing is happening. And then I always go, just pay attention and you'll be fine. In my brain, it's like, you're like, we have to be up here. We have to go back up there. I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense. It's closed. We have to go back somewhere else. You know what? Um, I will take that criticism, but you're not that calm about it either. I'm not calm, but I'm also like, let's just figure out where we have to go. It's, you know, I'm not Zen, but I am just like, I know when I'm in the wrong place. I'm like, I'm like, the door is closed. It doesn't make sense. We have to go somewhere else, you know? That's fine. I want to be gracious because I do think you're right about my sensibility, but I do think you're overestimating your own ability. Oh, I just time. shut down. Because yeah. the reason, no. the reason, a little bit of the reason that I get kind of prickly is because I can't trust you with knowing where you are or where we have to go. We've talked about how I don't know how to read a map. That this ends, is fair. That ends up being a little bit of a solo operation. So the laissez-faire attitude, especially when it's like I have a paper lid and one coffee and it's like 5.35 in the morning. Yeah, I'm going to get a little prickly because I want to make sure we get on the fucking train because that means that we get the car in the right place. And I know, I know. No, and I feel I'm that. I'm getting defensive about it right now because everything has to go in the right order. I know. But the point I was trying to make because I don't want to argue about this, (laughs) is that I've been really surprised how smoothly everything's gone. I've been really appreciative of that fact. Like, in Europe, I really don't think you need to show up an hour before everything. They basically are like, yeah, this is... Maybe the flight home, but... Yeah, well, of course. But this is the time that things are happening. You can basically trust that that will be reliable. You can trust that there will not be that long of a line. You can trust that the people working with you will help you and not fuck you over. This Very different It all circles back to the idea that, like... You know, if it was laid out, you know, the graphic design problem is real. Like, there's so much information and it's all accurate. However, it's not clear. Yeah. And that becomes very, like, you know, like, I'll sit with that and try and unpack it a little bit longer. Like, you know, like, because I'm I'm looking at it and just going like, huh. Like, when we're standing in the train station at five in the morning, I'm like, a lot of fucking information. This seems local. I'm not going to say that out loud. Right. But I'm just like, this is like subway level like yeah. information. Like, no, this doesn't make sense. Someone make it make sense. Like, and there's no, the problem that we're running into is that there's no one to make it make sense, which we had today as well. Um, we're like, you know, American service industry, as much as we work people to death or whatever, like if there was like a, if you have a problem in Penn Station or Grand Central, you can walk up to someone clearly labeled and be like, I have to go here. Where do I go? And they're like, oh, just right over there. And in the continent, they're like, you didn't figure it out? Well, no, 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 no. I don't think there's any judgment. It's just those people exist too. It's just that they're, they're not. Hidden. Yeah, they're just a little bit hidden. And when you find them, they're like talking to their coworker. I mean, this is also true in Penn Station. Um, yeah, but they're clearly labeled where they are. Yeah, you just you have to find them, and then they'll tell you exactly what you need to know. I mean, it's all about getting over your fear of interacting with the even Euros. even the Leal train lady was like, "God help you, dropping off that car." She's like, "It's a shit show." Subtext: Her French American subtext was, 
you're going to get there. It's going to be bad, just so you know, <laughs> which is very funny. She's like, mm. yeah, she acknowledged it and it was fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, we picked up our car. It was all fine. Mm-hmm. It was all good. It took like 20 full minutes to get out of the parking garage because we had to figure out how to make the car work. Well, this was another prickly moment for me where I was like, there's too many things. I just can't. That's what I can't figure out. This that's car. why I stepped in and was like, I'm just going to pair my shit to the car and then we're going to keep it moving. Um, but so once we get the car, once we get the Audi A4 rolling. Yeah. Now which, we're now we're whipping the Audi around, which I'm really excited about. I that know. car could fly. I'm telling you, I didn't I really get to open it up. I wish we were in Germany so I could have gone like 300 kilometers an hour because I know. I know that were, car. That car could go zero your, to a hundred in one point. I know it was very fast, but then you decided to open it up at the worst times, and I had to be like, "My guy, no." Um, well, you just love to backseat drive, which I despise. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, it's not good. You don't know how to have fun in a vehicle. No, I don't. That's what <laughs> makes me a good backseat driver. I go, no. There's no such thing as a good backseat driver. That does not exist. Did you know how to work that car? Well, you backseat helped me work the car. I backseat iPad. But once the car is in motion, it's all up to me. So we go to Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my plan for the day was uh, Vimeo Ridge, the Somme, and uh, Amiens. And I think I'm going to the Somme to take a little, little dip in the pool. Turns out, JK, <laughs> not a river in sight. Well, we should say, like, the, the, the day was crazy because it was heavy rain this morning. And most of the day, frankly, it was, on and off. Well, no, bef- when we on the, on the road to Vimy, it was just fog. And it was like, ooh, French countryside and fog? How wild looking. Like, it's so flat, you should be able to see for miles, and you can't see shit. No, yeah, I mean, when there was heavy rain in this heavy of fog... I mean, I feel like the only other time I can think in recent memory that I've seen fog like this was in Vermont when we were in the mountains. Remember that? Driving at night. Oh, yeah. When, like, the serial killer was driving behind me in a yeah, pickup yeah. truck. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but the fog is so dense that, I mean, you can't see more than 100 yards, I think, at any given time. A giant monument was imperceptible. Yeah. I mean, when it rains hard and you're driving in the car, like, it's m- more like driving driving in a snowstorm. Oh yeah. Then it is like driving in rain. Um, but I've so ju- I've done that so many times where you're like, "Ooh, oops." Yeah. But so we when we finally arrived at Vimy, um, like I've looked at a lot of pictures of it, so I kind of knew what to expect. And it's kind of amazing because um, immediately when you get out of the car, like, it just looked great with like the French and the Canadian flags. It's a famous famous site for uh, the Canadian military, but um, and all you can see is that and the fog. I mean, it's so dense that it's those two flagpoles and nothing. But we take a couple steps in, you can start to see the uh, terraformed landscape of all the shell craters. And you did a good job of reading the map and said, like, okay, do you want to go memorial or trenches? And I said, both, but let's do memorial first. And we're walking and we're walking and we're walking. We walk down like a random muddy path. and That I did not enjoy. See did, a, not, did not like. See a pheasant fly away. Scared the shit out of me. If only I had a shotgun at that moment, we could have had some delicious dinner. Honestly, truly. Um, but anyway, we're getting closer and closer to the memorial and like wondering where it is. And because I know what it looks like, I'm like, this thing is huge. Like, I can't believe we can't see it. And out of the mist, we see, like, a stair step. 
and a couple of people. It's like it's like a JRPG level yeah. of like I was like, oh, we're buffering. We're literally buffering IRL, and this is insane to me. Right. When you're on runway in Goldeneye and you're like trying to get those drone guns at the end of the level. They just appear okay, grandpa, out of the mist. Yeah, Grandpa, some of us don't know. Um, you know, you're in like, yeah, like you're you're in that like, and what are they called? The open world game? And yeah. you're like, oh, it's loading and it's just buffering and you can see a little bit of the terraform and then you're just like, ooh, haze. It was wild. I was like, oh, so, that has to be something that like, game designers experience maybe it's a japanese thing where they're like yeah we, we're foggy all the time it's like we know giant shits around but we go ooh, wild like that's the only precedent that i have yeah. so it has to be experienced lived first true and i mean it was a nice way to see vimi bridge because uh battles in flanders were fought this way you know right and so you know, one of the reasons the German uniforms were really innovative at the turn of the century was that they were gray. Um, people kind of laughed at that at first. Like, why would you do that? Everybody had... Because you couldn't see shit then. Peacock colors. Right. Um, but yeah, the, shoot a red coat out of immediately. That's right. But they were they were uh, low-vis in that environment. It was like an early version of camouflage. Um, we were talking later about, like, how scary it would be to fight in those battles in that fog. You can see nothing. Well, in the for the German trench like lookout, it was a basically almost like a mirror thing. So like it was facing away from the uh, Canadian trench or you know yeah fr- Frances, um, because they were like the little thing was like yeah if it was facing the other way the guy would get shot out immediately, but it was like oh you just kind of like see where the fire is landing and then you direct people to shoot in the opposite direction of where the shots are landing right insane to me also again short kings for the win during wartime absolutely yeah. that little turret i fit in much to my dismay um well i was surprised once once i got into the little lookout it does fit a six foot tall man like my head touched the top but it was designed you know you had to crawl into a tiny hole to get in there. I think but it was deeper. I mean, that's leveled surface, so correct, it was probably yeah. like a little... It was probably dug out. I just like lower. squatted in there and went, hello. Um, but it's worth mentioning that at that point in the line, one of the cool things about Vimy Ridge is that it has existing preserved trench lines from World War One, which are rare. right. Um, but at the point we're talking about where the Germans and the Canadians uh, had lookout posts across across from each other the lines were no further than i don't know 30, quarter mile 30 yards not a quarter mile no it was short I, I mean if there wasn't giant shell craters between it you could walk yeah. to it in five seconds it's about a 16 step on flat ground yeah. yeah yeah um but the craters between are so massive from being hit with so many shells and right. they still look that way i mean these things must have been filled in 20 feet by now Versus what they used to look like. Right. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. The The landscape at this place was what I was there for. I mean, I wanted to see what it did, you know, and we walked through a forest of trees. I mean, and this is a solid couple of miles at least of Six, yeah. ground that is just torn to shreds. Pitted, yeah. Um, and also the trees are just growing in ways that 
I'm like, oh, you got fucked a hundred years ago and you're still alive somehow and you're still growing crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, when you see pictures of the World War One battlefields, you see a lot of like twigs sticking up out of the landscape. But And what I never really realized till we went there today was that those trees were still alive and are still alive. Uh, they weren't replanted. I mean, you can't walk on most of this ground because there's live ordnance still in it. And there's signs all over the place. And they, like live, mean un, unexploded, unexploded, undetonated, undetonated munitions. Yeah. Oof. And they even have like Jurassic Park style electric fence. <laughs> I don't think that's not quite as heavy. Here's the thing: I think that a lot of those are broken. I, it it could. I be. wasn't gonna test it, but you know. And the point is that they're serious about keeping you off it. It's still very yeah. dangerous. Um. And so, yeah, you can walk through a forest of these trees that have these inorganic shapes that just look incredibly fucked up. I mean, speaking of uh, Bruegel and Bosch, I mean, yeah, you know, and then the Fin de Sacal stuff that's like a version of what the future could be. This is why I love World War One so much. Like um, what could have been is just on display there in its most negative form. Like, you can even see... Oh, you wanted the future? This is what you got. This is what you get. Yeah. yeah you can even see some of the forms, like, accidentally re- referenced in Tiffany Glass and things that came right before this era. They end up coming true in the form of trees fucked up by shells. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I said this earlier, but, like, you know, being in a extant trench and then having a sudden waft of the scent of pine like balsam fir like over you because the tree that's what is around you're just like there's a very grounding thing of like oh no people actually live this smelled the same thing like you just get very i don't know like it becomes that same thing of like the tj clark side of death thing but you're in actually a a realm where that was happening yeah and it just becomes this like kind of shared experience with the past that I don't know how to cope with it yet because it is very like uh, impressive in a way that because it's just the weight of death yeah well I think seeing something like Vimy Ridge in the fog was the best way I mean that kind of rendering mentality that you're talking about that we experience through like video games I mean um, it suppresses the vision and just puts you where you are well and again and, and it's also a little ethereal like it especially what i think when i was at the monument i was having this feeling of like this is either heaven or limbo right you know all you can see is like the names of the fallen and these sort of like grand white statues like mixed with the fog you can't see the rest of your world it was you don't sort get of the grandeur of of peacetime. There's no beautiful landscape to take an Instagram photo of, you know. There's, y- you almost feel like the dead will walk out of the mist or something. It, it was a very, very beautiful environment to see it in. That's a, that's the thing, and it was so silent because of the yeah. weight of the air, and you're like, it, it's. I know it's not always like this, but it it becomes that kind of thing where you're like, again, the weight of the weight of the past is present mm-hmm. and it is the future too. Like it's honest, whatever happened there is unescapable in that place. And, and you know, I was thinking later when we went to the cathedral at Amiens, 
Um, yeah. Because you and I were discussing like how amazing it is that in 1220 they could build these like beautiful arches and things. I mean, when you think about a World War One battlefield, it's an inverted cathedral. It's a different level of. Well, I, I mean, inverted very specifically. Think about the trusses and the forms. They're in the ground, and then the trees come it's up. It's an inversion out of them. in terms of what's, you know. A cathedral is hoping for the best of human experience, and then trenches and pits are shell pits are the negative it's truly like heaven and hell yeah on earth yes it's very hard to grapple with the two of them simultaneously like it it is like a little like um it's a sucker punch um in a good way like i'm not mad at it like again like you say that it's like a uh like a uh yeah drunk um you say it's like a an indulgence for you but it's like you know what here's the thing like when in rome do do as the romans like i don't think the roman you know the french or the english really give a shit that much about um this history uh which is again only 100 years old and this leads in this is a segue into our friend at place i don't remember um yeah we went to the uh thief vale uh thief uh monument to the fallen which is one of many for the battle of the Somme. architecturally retarded but okay continue uh which stretched many miles but this is like a a british arch um that's dedicated to all the fallen soldiers. I think it was some seventy-two thousand or something. That's it's a it's lot. like an it's yeah. an it's an incredible number, um, and I mean, I I can't express enough that like I've been learning about World War One for many years, but like the closeness and the quantity is just incredible. The fact that they there. actually care, like that there's a Commonwealth like grave, uh, people, yeah, who think about it and like. Are like, hey, yeah, a lot of people died over here, so we got kind of got to do something with it. Like, that's an interesting, um, well, it, it, thing. But and you were saying, like, you know, you think the British and the French might not care so much about it, but like our friend Kieran, uh, he was just like a nice young man that works for the British Park Service, essentially, and he said, "Hey, you want a free tour?" And I got a good vibe, and I said, "Yeah, sure." And, and I said, "God damn it." But yeah, now I, Will's stuck here for I'm an hour like, and a half. My life. Um, but one of the things he did best, and one of the things that's so hard to articulate about World War One is the individual human stories. That they that they still like have effect. They have knockdown effects, even though that's a hundred years ago. Like you know, we like to think of the idea of like you know currently, you know, oh Lizzie's dead. Oh. That's been a hundred years of knockdown effects for everyone involved, but that's not the people, right? Like the people actually matter. Like the the story of the people has to be told. And Kieran's thing is like the reason why these monuments exist is because it's not the glamour of, you know, Bucky. It's not the pomp and circumstance and the news intrigue. It is just having your name on a line, notated in a certain order for provenance and uh the the victoria crown 
Yeah, the Victoria Cross, like the Medal of Honor for the British military. And to be like at the base of like a long list, like they do, they do a good job of actually caring about like the common folk, you know, as much as like, you know, the pulp song of the common people. It's like mm. the Brits are actually good at it on the back end. They're not good at it on the uh, propagation end. What do you mean? They they're taking care of all of these people, like yeah, the yeah. burial and all that, and like actually doing due diligence. But they're like that's not the story they tell. They only care about palace intrigue, or at least that's what they project at the world that they care about palace intrigue. But there's so much resource spent in burying people properly and identifying sure, the dead, sure. like the long dead, which is insane, right? Like, that's so difficult to do, and you're getting teary-eyed, and I would like to know why. Well, because, because you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that the British present just the pomp and cir- circumstance of the king and queen or whatever. Um, the United States has a lot of people that take really good care of our natural and human resources, too. But, like, those people don't, they don't get any credit. Yeah. Like, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm getting teary-eyed because Kiernan made me think about my mom. Like, you know, she loves parks and nature and photography so much. And like, she doesn't. We don't say like that is America, or give her any credit for it. And so, like, a young man that was really into like. British a 24-year-old who has a tie to, like, a genealogical tie, which is really hard to, you know, yeah. place. Place it himself and then in, injected himself in the idea of the reason why these sites exist is that because these stories aren't anonymous. History isn't anonymous. And that's really the... That's actually something that's really hard that I think we don't do that well in America. Like... We do via uh, some kind of like semblance of uh, bad stories of like, well, this is the genealogy, but we don't promote that in the same way because we don't, we haven't really did a good job of dealing with the sites of our history. Like Manhattan should be a fucking minefield of monuments. Well, and we're just well, like, no, oh, I put mean, put a Chinese w- restaurant on it. You know, sites, sites that are uh, cities are not interesting to me. Because they're places of active commerce where things just have to keep going. Um, the reason I get choked up or what I think is interesting and w- what I find like so heartening in this world is that history is comprised of individuals. And there are still individuals that are very, very good shepherds of this in every country in the whole world. And they're really rare souls that just do it because they love it. They don't well, want they don't want glory or anything. They just really think that like the stories of parks or the stories of wars or the stories of the people involved in them need to be continued through an oral history. Well And it's, it's like it's something that we've completely lost on every other level. And I and I think You know that, we have a word for that. Because it's not just about the verbal history, it's about the actual history. The you know, the origin of the word curator is curare, the carer for. 
someone has to care. And like when you have a 24 year old Scottish dude, who's like a army brat, whatever the fuck he said, I don't know. Um, like he was an army brat living on like a, uh, German, like resettlement. Camp. I was like, I don't know what that means. This is taking me to a place. I'm not going to deal with it. But like, when you have people who feel their history and their sight and the experience of it throughout not only their genealogy, but also their appreciation of, those are the best characters to care for the past to make sure that it lives in the future, right? Of course. Like, and what we do now in the semblance of curatorship is just absolutely appalling to the sense of the word. Exactly. Yeah. You it's, put it really well. It's deeply shameful the way that we treat people who aren't carrying it. Suck every dick. You don't care. You only care about yourself. That's right. Yeah. And that is shameful. Like that's that that's the reason why it's like an eye roll situation. Like it's curated by what? How much care do you have? You just wanted your name on it. If you actually cared you wouldn't care about your name being on it. No. This dude's worked at this site for three weeks. His tours aren't are only sanctioned by the people who are actual curators because they trust him enough to tell a story and not shame the place. That's right. But his stories are better because they're unofficial. That's right. They should be. But that's not what and he's be- he's better at telling them because he cares about them because he loves them. It comes from care. It always does. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel <laughs> I feel imba- I feel embarrassed, but I'm trying to fill. This, I don't know. I'm I've, trying to fill the air to get you out of no, it. You're, that's, no, no, no. You know. You're you're doing great. It's just you know. Um, It's very personal for me. I don't know why. History is personal. Like, this is the... <clears throat> All right, while you fucking cry, I'll just get into it. Here's the thing. The unfortunate part, as someone who doesn't, like, actually care that much about, like, really living through the history or really, like, nerding out over it, like, here's the thing. It does work. Having monuments is an amazing thing. Um... Especially, like, going to D.C. and seeing, you know, Abe. Um, and then coming here. Like, what I think is really fascinating is that, like, the role of monuments in sites in history are very, you know, you're, like, confronted with scale. You're confronted with, you know, actual information of history like you're reminded that like hey the past happened and it's really important and it's something that you should consider all the time it is un it's absolutely insane that you could not go by your life and think about the past and i think like especially after being in london where there's so much of overwriting of the past but they're like oh we think like our history is polished and it's really it's like you guys suck at this like you're the worst examples of caring about your history because your history has continued so long but it's all been superficial so you're all cunts like you're all to use your own word sorry people you love it so fuck you um you're all so good at pretending to care that's absolutely asinine and that's why you failed as an empire 
you're terrible at this. You don't give a shit. You only give a shit in terms of name, and you're not. You don't even buy that anymore because you're at the pub at four thirty. <laughs> Fuck off! Like you failed for a reason, and good. Um, fuck your tea, suck my dick. USA, USA. <laughs> um, like, you know, like, I think, but, you know, for these, like, smaller, st- I want to say, it's terrible to say smaller stories, but, like, I, it, the reason why they lost the fucking thread of their own history is that they didn't figure out the navigation towards, from the British Royal Navy and the excellence of that and, like, how bad they fucked their land war in world war one. And they were like, Oh, we suck at this. Oh shit. Like, and then it was just, everybody's dead. Like, but they still know how to do that remembrance portion. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I just think that, um, it's not about any like nation doing it right or wrong. I, I do just think that like individuals end up being very good stewards of, uh, moving emotional history forward that's all you have left and at a certain point like i think like but that's all there ever was like yeah it's sad to describe it in terms of that's all we have left like it's a rare thing i think like one of the reasons that gothic cathedrals are really impactful is that that was um hundreds of people working for a hundred years on, or about 50, um, depending on... If they did it fast, but like on a, on a singular idea and goal um, that was all shared with each other. Like there was an emotional connection there to the past and the present and the future. But the fact that... And we, we just don't have that. The fact that Amiens, the Amiens Notre yeah. Dame, can fit like the Paris Notre Dame in it twice is insane to me. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? That one can get shoved in? All right, cool. You have a lot of different languages being spoken in there and a lot of asshole Frenches with their hats on, which I was like, the sign says, take it off. Yeah. And the latent Catholic in me is like, can you not be a cunt? You know, we won't talk. You know, I need therapy to unpack that. Oh, I mean, but the the latent um, Italian in me was like, my grandpa made me take my hat off in his home. I wouldn't dare wear it there. But like the fact that you can walk through this, small football field and just be a f- you know you're getting slammed from all sorts of images of devotion this ties into the idea of monuments of like cathedrals like monuments in the contemporary or not even the contemporary because we now just have museums of sites where action happened um cathedrals are where all the action happened um and there's so much humanity in them that's yeah. inextricable. And you know what? At this point, they don't have anyone to tell that story right. They just have people who are barely trying to upkeep it, like two paunchy French people trying to wash the floors of a gallery of St. Catherine. And I'm like, you want a Swiffer? Because like, there's a lot of dust. Just so you know. You know, but at, um, le- at least somebody is trying a thousand years later to keep the thing intact like but it's a little sad like they're just they're just trying i don't i don't think it's sad at all i think it's the people that try that try they're the true believers they make it beautiful like that's the only reason it's still around that's the only reason it's still valuable 
like seeing a bunch of people that have lived in Amion their whole life, like tending for the most important Mopping thing. the floor. The idea that there's no young people in there doing that is an absolute tragedy. It's very sad. There should be. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm so heartened by Kiernan at the Psalm. Like a 24-year-old that's enthusiastic about this, that's going to carry this forward, that's beautiful. There should be that for everything in the world. And and yeah. and to some and to some degree there is, but you just have to find it and like be open to it. Like, but it's not going to be the twenty four year old sitting down, gallery watching at a fucking like national museum. No, of course not. They don't not. care. Like the lack of care. I will always, you know, I will always like fucking rage against the lack of care. Yeah. Just as a society, like it's absolutely appalling. Well, the uh, degree to which art has become common is a problem it it should be rare um it should have a monumentality at all times and we just made it a fucking ride for everybody i i think this is why i might take back a little bit of what i said on the last episode where they have no american art in their collection this is why um because we have no monuments we have no sense of monumentality we have no sense of care really uh we might make things that are really fire but like when that expression goes out of usage when emojis don't mean anything anymore, when you need a Rosetta Stone for the iPhone keyboard, um, what good is anything that we've made? Maybe not very good. I mean, you look at our monuments in D.C., or I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore, but it's like, yeah. I don't know. I would trade I would trade good on that everything front. in America uh, for seeing Vimy Ridge for the first time. I would, I would trade it all to see Amiens Cathedral. You know, like... Yes, yeah, doesn't even come close. The totality of what shit. The totality of what we've ever done. You know, I've, I've, I've even that little Brussels cathedral, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. couldn't tell you who it was. Not Saint Catherine. The a, other one, a minor cathedral in Brussels, was insane, in- incredible. Again, to be treated as just like, well, it's there. We just always think it's there, and we don't care. You know, I I used to think that... uh, (sighs) Part of me still thinks this. It's hard to articulate, but... I think one of the only good things that the United States ever did as a nation that is monumental was the Apollo program, right? Um, But it's technological. It's ephemeral. I mean, they'll be... People can't go there. That's true. Yeah, the lack of human connection, the impossibility of it it's makes it pointless. Only through images, yeah. and that is nothing. That's true. It's why people couldn't paint in the 13th century, but they could build cathedrals. The images don't mean very much. It's like, it's the people. That's why the stuff ends up mattering. The stuff is an artifact of the people caring about it. The artist making like one image or the photographer on the moon taking one picture. You had that experience. So what? Like, what about us? You know? I think that's a good place to stop. 